Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. So we're almost at the end of season two of the Teachers Podcast. And I'm going to be taking a long break over the summer so that we can prep to launch season three in September. So this is a really great opportunity to go back and listen to the old episodes that you've not listened to before. So some of my more well-known guests include Jane Considine, Alistair Bryce Clegg and Lee Parkinson. So get them listened to and then listen to the rest after that. So I've actually finished recording this season of the Teachers Podcast and now I'm on to recording my brand new podcast. Yep, I'm that crazy person who's going to have two podcasts on the go. Um, But this one is going to be for education business owners. So if that's you or you know somebody who that's interesting for, then let them know that it's coming. And if this topic does light you up, then I'm actually talking about this every morning on Clubhouse at 7am and also on Tuesday evenings at 7.15pm. And you can find out more details at educationbusinessclub.co.uk. So in this episode then, I interviewed Rosina Kelly all about safeguarding and it was such an interesting follow-on from the episode that I recorded with Shahana Knight and the episode that I recorded with Noreen Lakani. So Rosina is a passionate educationalist and she's founder of Rosina Kelly Consulting. She's got over 20 years experience as a primary teacher, working and managing teams in youth justice, supporting schools as both an education safeguarding advisor and LADO. That's when you're responding to allegations against staff. And most recently, she's been a virtual school head focusing on children who are looked after or previously looked after. So listen carefully and get your notepad because you're going to love the actionable steps. Let's get to the interview. Rosina, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Hi, Claire. So we're going to talk about safeguarding. Yep. Best place to start. In your opinion, what is it? Okay, so um, I've been an education safeguarding advisor for a number of years, as well as doing other roles. And I think although some of those years I was absolutely focused on safeguarding, actually all the jobs I've ever done, I've had a huge element of safeguarding because for me, safeguarding is just everything we do to make sure children are happy and safe in school. It's all the things we do around on the day-to-day just caring about children, building those positive relationships and making sure that they see school as a safe place, as somewhere that they can trust the adults around them, tell them if something's not okay. And that might be from the really minimal stuff right through to actually those kind of disclosures around abuse and neglect. Um, And it's for me, it's knowing the children really well. So you can spot when something's not okay. So if you are, if you know the children, you can see those little indica- indicators or those little signs and symptoms that actually something is not right for this child and something's going on that could be along those lines of abuse or neglect. Um, and obviously that's classically what we think about when we when we talk about safeguarding. Um, but for me, it's about much, much wider than that. So it's, it's not just the responsibility of the, the designated safeguarding lead. You know, safeguarding is everyone's responsibility um, and it's understanding that it's just just knowing the children really well. Okay, thank you. So something that I picked up on there was about knowing the children, obviously, and you mentioned that twice. <laughs> so it makes 
it makes me think about when I was in school on supply, actually. Um, and you don't know the children and, and it is really important. Have you got any sort of quick tips, especially if, if you're quite new to the children, ways to get to know the children so that, you know, you can be aware if there's any issues? I think it's really important that you learn children's names, however that works for you. You know, some people can do that really naturally. But even if it is that that first 10 minute activity is getting the children to make little name labels or do whatever it is, or put a little, you know, a little stand on the desk that says what their name is. It means so much more to you if somebody talks to you and says your name and actually Mm -hmm. makes the effort really to get to know who you are as opposed to the person next to you. And I think also the other thing is about giving a bit of yourself. So telling a little bit about who you are. So the children think, oh, do you know what? I know a little bit more about Claire now. So, or Miss Riley. So I now know that (laughs) I can share a little bit about me. And I think it's really important to kind of not be afraid to to kind of give a bit of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and all those classic teaching things we know about showing you, showing the fact that you make mistakes and being a bit silly and doing all that sort of thing. I think it's making you as a a teacher into a human being. Mm -hmm. So the children get that you're just another person. Um, And I think that's really important. I think those are things you can do when, when you first meet in new children, whether that's supply, I did supply teaching for a long time as well. And it does make you kind of think on your feet a lot more. Oh yeah, Um, And I think doing things like games, you know, kind of just does those a bit more informal things so that the children kind of see that that human side of you is, is really important. Yeah, I love that. Um, when I was on supply, so uh, something that I was known for was going in, spending the first 10 minutes learning the names. And I yep. used to do it as a game, like for myself. Um, and I'd go around and I'd do just silly things like, I'd be like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of names on the spot now. <laughs> So, uh, Rosina Claire Edward, Rosina Claire Edward, Rosina Claire Edward. And then I go on the next table and at the end, I'd get them all to stand up. Um, and then I had to sort of, I mixed it all up so that I could, you see, the thing is, if they moved, it could be a bit of a problem because you yes. can't sit on place as well. <laughs> and then they could only sit down if I remember the name, but that was a great connection activity. Absolutely. What I didn't realize is I did that because I wanted to know the name of every child, especially the ones that might cause me a problem. Because if you yep. know the name and can say it, much less likely to cause you a problem. Absolutely. And I think it's that whole thing of, you know, being able to spot the children that are doing the right thing. They, you feel so much more pride if you say it. Yeah. Well done, Claire. You're doing a really good job. You know, that really means something to you and you think oh that that teacher's properly noticed me already um yeah. and you know whether whether we like the kind of big public acknowledgement of who we are or not to know that somebody's noticed you is really important and I think for our most vulnerable children who may be the children that cause the problems um but you know those who have those those additional needs whether that be special educational needs or needs around kind of emotional regulation to know that you know who they are from the beginning and you care Mm. about the fact that they exist can really make a difference. Um, And I think um, I was talking the other day to some, uh, to a music service about parapatetic music teachers. Mm -hmm. And they were saying the same thing that often, you know, they come in once a week, they teach a very structured lesson and they leave again, but it can make such a difference that they actually know the class, know the children, you know, and little things like, 
making sure that you know their class name or making sure other you know about other topics that they're doing so that you can mm. reference those things immediately makes the child children think hang on a minute this isn't just a random person they know this school they know me they care about what we're doing um, and again making those links and, and doing a little bit of, of, of homework around actually the school and the environment and the, the children uh, within the class I think is really important. Super thank you okay so I mean, we all know that safeguarding is important, obviously. Um, but, it, you know, for you, why is it so important for teachers and schools to make sure that we know what we're talking about? Because I think, you know, we we forget sometimes, and obviously the last year has been so bizarre for, for so many of us, but sometimes you are the only person out of that child's immediate household who sees that child on a regular basis and and you know we so you know for some children you are the person they see most in the whole world because they don't spend that much time at home or when they are at home they're you know shut off playing on the xbox or uh, watching tv or or out with their friends they're not necessarily at home so you are sometimes the person who sees that child more than anybody else um so you are more likely to be able to spot those little indicators Mm. that something's not okay um and i think you know the last year has has taught us more than more than ever um that we need to be curious we need to kind of be interested in what's going on for children and that's how we will start to kind of get a get a grasp of who they are, where they are and what's going on for them. You know, what have they experienced in the couple of hours before they walk through the school door in the morning? You know, what does that look like for them? Because for some children, they've already had an absolute nightmare of a morning before they've walked in at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and we sometimes don't think about that. You know, we kind of, our school day is starting at nine o'clock, but we're forgetting that we've got children walking through the door who've, you know, been young carers looking after a, a an elderly or a poorly parent or having to get their younger sibling ready for school or the child that actually hasn't you know eaten any breakfast but they actually haven't slept either or they were sleeping you know sleeping in a in a bed that for you and I doesn't look like a bed because there isn't a duvet or a pillow or all those things that we just take for granted um so it's about kind of starting the school day thinking some of our children have already had a horrendous few hours And then we're expecting them to just come in and be okay. And I think it's taking that time to go, school is a safe place. It's the place where actually we're here to make sure you learn and you're educated, but also we give you an opportunity to be happy, uh, to be safe and to kind of feel like you can be you um, Mm -hmm. and and that somebody's got your back. I think that's a really important aspect of of safeguarding. Thank you. It's it's hard to talk about really without feeling quite emotional about some circumstances isn't it absolutely and um I mean I've worked in safeguarding for years but one thing I always say when I'm uh, delivering any sort of safeguarding training is don't ever get used to it if, if ever you're hearing a story about a child and it's not shocking you and it's not upsetting you then actually that's the day you walk away because you've almost become too detached we should be upset by the fact that children have got horrible mm. things to deal with you know it should make us feel emotional um that children have to go through the stuff that they have to go to go through um which doesn't make us do a worse job it just makes us care more which is great and obviously it's managing those emotions in front of the child but actually if you go away and you're just okay and you're not you're not bothered by that then maybe it's time to do something else because I think we should we should be shocked and horrified however much we learn however much we kind of 
do the training or experience that we shouldn't ever think well that's okay it's it's just something we have to accept you know that's that's the day we give up isn't it if we accept that that just happens we should always be aiming for the fact that no child has to experience that Mm. and the bit I do hopefully stops one child experiencing that tomorrow or next week and for me that's the really important part of safeguarding is if you can make the difference for one child that you work with then that's fantastic. And that is the reason we get up and go to school as educators um, is to make that difference. And if we're only aiming to do that for one child, then that's incredible. Um, And I think, you know, again, another thing I talk a lot about on training is we don't remember when you talk about school with your adult friends, you know, you don't remember what Ofsted rate in your school was. You don't remember where you were on league tables or all that sort of things. You probably forget your own, you know, GCSE results and you have to really kind of think about them. But what you immediately think of is the teacher that made the difference. And that can be negative. It can be that teacher that made your school life a nightmare. Or it can be the teacher that made you who you are, who inspired you or kind of made you feel different. And I think if we can all aim to be that teacher to, to our child then that's, you know, the start of a fantastic journey, really, if, if everybody's just trying to get that connection um, and be that one person who kind of inspires or makes that child feel better um, about everything else that's maybe going on for them. And great for the child as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they, we all need somebody who we know is looking out for us. Um, and in schools, that's that's really important. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was now. I think he's died recently um, about every child needs a champion. Yes, absolutely. And I think we we forget sometimes that even the, you know, the quietest children or the children who present with the most challenging behaviours, you know, they're the ones that need the champion the most. And you might aim to be there for that child every day and they may have pushed you away persistently. But it's because they they haven't learned how to build those relationships. And, and for me, our job is to teach them. Our job is to mm. show them the way because they haven't necessarily had those positive attachments when they were you know young children if we're talking about children who've had adverse childhood experiences or early adversity those are the children who didn't get taught and it is a kind of teaching thing you know they didn't get taught how to build those positive connections they didn't get taught how to um that if you cry out somebody comes and soothes you and then eventually you learn to self-soothe so we need to still teach those things. Um, and it is that whole, I love that there's a, a quote around kind of discipline uh, isn't about punishment. What discipline means is is the student is learning. And it's like that mm-hmm. whole idea of going, you know, dis- discipline comes from the word disciple. It's a student. And to me, discipline should be about teaching the child how to operate in the in a, in school in society teaching that child to become an adult one day who can deal with their emotions appropriately because the children who are crying out the most for the champion or for that attention are the children who haven't got those skills yet and if we've got a child who presents with needs academically we don't just go oh well they don't know how to do that so we'll just keep telling them off mm. we teach them how to do it yeah. um and that should be the same approach with behavior you know if this child is showing us every day that they don't know how to deal with these emotions because it's the child who runs out the classroom or it's the child that throws a chair or it's the child that just goes into kind of being completely and entirely withdrawn. Well, that te- that child needs teaching a better response to those emotions, better coping strategies. Um, and, and that's kind of our role as well. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, the theme really has been relationships a lot. And I know that um, 
you know, as we prepared for the episode, uh, you shared how passionate you are about the huge difference that relationships can make for vulnerable children. So do you want to talk about that a bit more? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's lots of research out there about which interventions work and what's your most more, more positive, whether that be around academic outcomes, whether that be about kind of, you know, this recent uh, piece of uh, work that's been done by the Serious Case Review panel around um, it was it's it was hard to escape, which is all about children with, um, ch- you know, who got caught up in ch- child sexual exploitation. And the common theme throughout those um, pieces of research, whatever the subject really matter really, is all about relationships. Um, The same when we're thinking about children who are looked after. Obviously, I was a virtual school head for three years. So my role was all about supporting children who um, were in the care system. Uh, And the difference that having a positive relationship can make is huge and way more important than a lot more complicated or expensive interventions that we talk about. The theme is always the people. The theme is always the connection. Um, And I think if we sometimes just kind of take a step back and think about that, we would make a huge difference for so many, so many of our children Um, that just understanding and that every, every intervention, uh, sorry, every interaction is an intervention in, Mm. and kind of, having that at the forefront of our minds that I can have a conversation with this child I can either help them feel better or I can make them feel worse and it's an active choice which one I do um, and whether that be a child who's struggling or a child who's angry or what you know whatever however we're encountering that child thinking I can, I can make a little bit of a difference here by the way I respond um, is so important and I'm doing a lot of work with uh, schools and other organizations about staff well-being at the moment and that's may seem like a bit of a kind of transgression from everything else I do. But actually, I'm really passionate that if you are an adult who isn't looking after yourself, who isn't taking that time to do that self-care stuff that we all are starting to realise how, how important it is. And I think one of the positive legacies of, of the pandemic is that we're talking about well-being so much more. But it's about the fact that if you're an adult who isn't emotionally regulated because you're exhausted or you're overwhelmed or you're tired and you just haven't done that stuff that that makes you feel okay, you aren't in a position to have a positive relationship to that child who's struggling either. You know, we need a child who presents completely emotionally dysregulated to have an adult who can be calm in that moment, not join them in that kind of uh, emotional dysregulation, uh, which is often what happens. And you know, it's human instinct that if a child goes up, we kind of go up with them and we end up in this kind of um, almost a spiral, really, of everybody just feeling worse about the situation. As an adult, if we can approach with calm, then we are more likely to meet that child and be able to calm them down. But that relies on us being in a positive place in the first place. Um, So, you know, staff well-being is so important. And I use the quote all the time about, you know, you've got to have your own oxygen up, put your own oxygen mask on first, and you know that's all about that. There's there's no way we can help other people if we're not looking after ourselves first. Um, and I think relationships are all about understanding that, understanding the difference we make with the things that we say, um, whether they be big things that we've planned or whether that just be little snippets of conversation. And not n- knowing how important it is, not just what we say to other people, but to ourselves. Absolutely. I, I do feel like, you know, the whole well-being piece that people are starting to realise is is less about um, 
what you're doing for yourself and more about understanding who you are. Um, and if we don't understand who we are, then how can we help a child to understand who they are? Um, and I can say that when I was, in the, I was in the classroom, I did not understand who I am. I've only started that journey since I've left. Um, so I know that I wouldn't have been that effective of, at that. Um, so great that I completely that agree with you. This. Yeah, and and likewise, you know, I'm I'm a long way from being stood in that classroom now in terms of time but also in terms of the person that I am. And I would be, I would approach teaching in, in, in such a different way now if I was studying a child in a classroom because I understand children and the biology and the kind of science behind all of this mm. way more. But I also, like you just said, I also understand who I am and why I'm like I am. And I kind of, I've taken some time to get to know that more as well, whether that be consciously or, or through just that professional and personal development you do as as we get older. Um, but I, I think that's absolutely true that we feel like sort of self-care or well-being or whatever different kind of word we give that, we still feel a lot of the time that that's a luxury or something we should feel guilty about. Mm. And actually we need to switch it. You know, it's essential. It's not about a luxury. It's not about, oh, I'm going to be really cheeky and take half an hour for myself. And, oh, I'm going to feel really guilty the whole time I'm having that bath or going for that walk or doing whatever it is that kind of makes me feel better. It's realising that that is vital. And especially in the world of education and the job that, that we do in schools, we have such a responsibility. And it's actually just common sense to say, mm. oh, I need to be in a good place because then I can help these children be in a good place too. And for me, it's 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 knowing why you're doing that. So it, in my opinion, um, if you're going for a walk or if you're having a bath, it's not about going for a walk or having a bath it's the so it's not that helpful if you have a bath and you're listening to something no. that's I don't know like a podcast or something or are you doing that on your walk the whole point of it is the headspace yeah and getting your brain into the right brainwave yep. pattern um, I talk a lot about so switching your head off yeah it's, it's understanding why why we're doing it it's not just yep. about oh well I haven't done anything for me today so I'll eat so I'll have a cake that that's not the reason for it um, anyway, I feel like we could end up having a massive conversation about this. Like, you're so. going to get on Clubhouse. We're going to continue the conversation at another point. Let me, Fantastic. Let me pull you back um, because it's me who, who set you off on this track. <laughs> so right then. So what three actionable steps would you give to teachers um, in regards to taking action with safeguarding? I think it's a simple things. So I think it is being curious and that's not being nosy. And I'm not talking about kind of, you know, if you suspect that a child is, is suffering from something, going and asking loads of questions, because we all know that's not the right approach. But I think it's just being curious about who the children you work with are. You know, what do they do when they go home at night? What makes them tick? What do they enjoy doing? And not coming at that with any sort of agenda or any sort of judgment, but just being curious is so important. And it's showing that child that you care and that you're interested and you're interested in who they are when they walk out of the, the school gates at the end of the day, as well as who they are within that classroom. And I think it doesn't matter what role you are. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher, a teaching assistant, a working a pastoral team, a lunchtime supervisor being curious about children just shows them that they are an individual and a person and that that's really important. So I think that's, that's a really easy thing to do is to just have that in your head. Um, I think one of the things we've already talked about is, is taking that time to 
to learn children's names and make a point of saying hello to each of them every morning and saying goodbye at the end of every day. And, you know, that, that meet and greet, that really simple step, again, for those children who find school a place of anxiety, it's, it's reassuring them that I've been noticed, somebody knows I'm here, somebody would notice if I wasn't here, which is really important for some children to hear. And when children are going home at the end of the day, we know some children are not going home to nice circumstances and are not going home necessarily to the childhood what we would like for them. So saying to that child, you know, I'll see you again in the morning can be so reassuring for that child to know that that teacher or that teaching assistant or whoever it is, is thinking about me. I mean, I'm in their minds and, and they're going to be here tomorrow. And if I need to speak to them, they will be here tomorrow and they'll notice that I'm here as well. So I think, you know, taking that time to do that simple meet and greet as well is it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take a lot of time, but for some children will really make a difference. Um, and I think my third tip is about school holidays, which is obviously very appropriate at, um, as we are talking now, but mm -hmm. coming up to the fact that we we're going to have spring bank, we're going to have um, the big summer holidays, which will seem even more obscure this year than, than any other year, I think, um, is understanding that, some children will be really looking forward to holidays and some children absolutely approach them with nothing but dread because mm. actually school is the place, is their safe place. It's the place they feel most comfortable and they don't want to be at home 24 seven. They don't mm. want to be with people maybe who aren't giving them the best of care. So I think just being mindful about the lead up to the holidays and not just necessarily focusing on the fact, and I don't mean being really depressing and saying, oh, for some children, this is going to be dreadful. But I think being mindful of the language you use and how you're talking about the holidays and knowing for some children that that it's not going to be great necessarily. So providing them with some nice opportunities in the lead up where they, they may want to talk or they may want to kind of just have something nice that kind of stops them being quite so anxious when they're thinking about the holidays. And then being mindful after the holidays of, of noticing any changes, noticing anything that's different um, and being there for those children because they might have just experienced a really unpleasant uh, mm. week or six weeks. Um, so I think the holidays are a really key point for safeguarding to really just have an eye on your children um, because you can you can spot a lot of things leading up to, to holidays. You know, we should want children to be desperate for the holidays and be really eager and excited. The children who are anxious or playing up, you know, really challenging behaviours, uh, reluctant to kind of be going home at the end of the day or, you know, their behaviour is escalating. They are all signs and symptoms that that child is anxious leading up to the holidays and you're be being curious is about why, you know, what's going on for that child. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Where can we follow you and find out more about what, what you're talking about day in, day out? Okay, well, I've got a website, so um, www.rosinakellyconsulting.co.uk. Um, I'm also on Twitter, and again, I've got a really helpful name, which is why my my business is called my name because it's more memorable than most things. Uh, so again, <laughs> Rosina Kelly, you can find me generally on on Facebook and Twitter, and it's Rosina Kelly Consulting. Um, so yeah, I'm on on, on those as well. Um, I do a blog most weeks um, that again you can access on my website, or I tend to share uh, via kind of social media. Um, and I have done my first podcast. There may be another one by the time uh, this goes out, but that's called Education. Say it as it is because that's what I tend to do is kind of just say what I think and <laughs> very um, Yorkshire thing 
It's very Yorkshire, it's very Northern. And I think also a lot of the subject matters I talk about get incredibly complex very quick for no reason really, because I think a lot of it is common sense. You know, I, my hashtag that I use a lot is just be kind. And if we approach every school day thinking, whatever child uh, I'm talking to, dealing with, responding to today, and however they're presenting, if in my head I have the phrase, just be kind, I will approach that differently than if I join them in anger or join them in dis, you know, distress or anxiety. And I think that's really important. I think a lot of what I'm talking about is, is kind of common sense, really. You know, be nice to people and they'll be nicer back is, uh, is a, a general rule anyway. I think that's very true in schools and we get caught up sometimes in you know, the latest buzzwords or the latest interventions or the things that cost lots of money or take lots of time. And sometimes I think that things that make the most difference are just the really simple stuff. And while we're having this conversation, I know you can't see Rosina, but I can. And it says on her wall behind her, be kind. It does. <laughs> and my, my children brave. bought me that. My children bought me that for, for Mother's Day last year, actually, um, which shows obviously how much I must say it in their earshot that they found that and thought it was perfect for me. So, yeah, absolutely. I just thought oh look she's practicing what she's preaching absolutely (laughs) super right well thank you so much this has been really really good chat and um I've just enjoyed talking to somebody who is a neighboring town um, absolutely (laughs) so that's been lovely as well thank you so much oh it's been lovely thank you Claire I don't know about you But when I was in the classroom, safeguarding was a very scary thing to me. I wanted to know that I'd always be doing the right thing and that it would always be on my mind on top of all the other things. But the reality is that it wasn't on my mind all the time. That's just impossible. So what I do believe, though, is that reminders or refreshers or revisits are key for embedding this. So I hope that that was a helpful reminder for you today. If you want to give any feedback about your own experiences, then I'd love to chat with you in the Teachers Podcast community on Facebook, so I hope to see you in there. And I'm going to see you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high-quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.